The second reading today is as we continue in Romans 12, verses 9 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This is the word of the Lord. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it's easy enough to make God's love into a hallmark card of faith, sweet, syrupy, and sentimental. But when we're committed to live it out, the deep, deep love of Jesus is too large and may seem too undefined to easily embody here. And when we try to define it, we find the attempt is susceptible to individual or local interpretation. What is love? Here, agape love. What is agape? It's almost too much for a person to take in. The command to love God, uh, to love others as God loves, it's almost too much to take in, very much to heart. We don't really know if we're getting it right. Love. We may just act in the social conventions of our faith and figure we're doing our best without giving it a lot of thought or energy into the greater depth of it. We may know internally that we're falling short, but not really know what to do about it. Now, I have nothing at all against Hallmark cards and their messages. I recently found out that throughout the month of February, every Friday was Free Card Friday. Did you know that? Free Card Friday. Where you can walk into a Hallmark store, sign up as a loyalty customer, right on the spot, pick up a card out of a particular selection they had up front, absolutely free. Maybe it's still going on. I don't know. It could be that... uh, Maybe do you know, Christine, if next month it's going to be Free Card Friday as well? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But anyway, here are some short and sweet quotes from the Hallmark Company. I'm glad that you and me are us. I like it. Love lasts forever. Okay, could be true. Sweet dreams, little one. I could see myself saying that. All you need is love. Where have we heard that before? (laughs) I'm a sweet disaster. True confessions. You taught me how to feel the butterflies over and over. Nice body-mind connection there. But it's not enough, is it? It's not enough. Love is a fuzzy concept. It's not easy to define it. And that's surely why, over and over again throughout the Bible, there's so much written about what love is and what love isn't, and what the Spirit-led life is and what it isn't. Going back, the Ten Commandments are all about loving God and your neighbor. 
Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, showed his disciples, the scripture tells us, the full extent of his love by washing their feet. There's John 3.16, God so loved the world. John 15, the vine and the branches, remain in me, remain in my love. 1 Corinthians 13, all about describing what love is. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, starting with love. Husbands and wives, parents and children, slaves and masters, all get directives. So many directives about love. Can you turn several pages of the Bible without running into something about love? The Bible is full of these love passages. Why? Because we need so much help with it. So with all of this taking place in the Bible, all about love, what's so unique about Romans 12? What can we learn? Well, we arrive in Romans 12, as we heard from Pastor Dan a couple of weeks ago, and Paul moves from indicative to imperative. Remember that? From the facts to the acts. Paul has outlined the facts. They are full of mystery and wonder and mercy and warning, the stern warning not to be too conceited or fall away, not to become conceited or fall away. Romans 11.22, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. As chapter 12 begins, you will recall Paul writes, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Our body as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, presented in an ongoing fashion to God as our reasonable worship, And to be transformed and renewed in our thinking in order to discern and to do God's will. That's how that whole, this whole chapter, this whole practicality of our response to God starts out. And that's a big assignment. Far more immense than you or I reading through Romans on an average day would know how to put into practice. How do I present my body as a living sacrifice? Furthermore, this is not a pitch, but it's a commission, as in, now do this. This is life with God, making the move from a comfortable distance away up to in-your-face life with God, from warming by the fire to walking in the flames. Yes, this is the commission to let your soul be on fire. It is completely intended to be up close and personal, Because whose space are we in when we talk about presenting one's body as a sacrifice? Jesus. We're in Jesus' space. We're being urged to move up into the place where Jesus lives and reigns. Come closer. How do we make love operational? How do we make love effective? How do I actually make my life in the flesh a sacrifice of gratitude to God's mercy? What does it look like moment by moment? How do I make love genuine, pure, and true in its expression through my life? How do we do this together? How do we operationalize this love of God so that others can see it and experience it and know it and be healed by it and be drawn through it to Christ? Paul headlines it like this. We check ourselves for hypocrisy. 
This is how Paul starts in verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. The Bible describes a hypocrite as someone who puts on a mask and pretends to be something he or she is not. To be a hypocrite is to claim to adhere to certain beliefs, but to behave in a way that contradicts them. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Hypocrisy is the essence of taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name in vain. So Paul begins this section, let love be without hypocrisy. The word he uses there for love is agape. There are a lot of words in the New Testament Greek that can be translated love, but as you probably know, agape is the Greek word for the love that the New Testament writers use for that highest form, that which originates in God. It originates in God, it comes to us, we pass it on, but it's God's love that we're talking about here. Well, this is God's love living in me, free love by grace, written in my heart by the Holy Spirit. This is what we always pray will just flow through us, and yet we need to be told, don't play act this. Don't pretend. Don't do fake agape love. And don't mix it in with something impure. God doesn't want any half-hearted or half-baked love sacrifice. There are a lot of love lists in the scripture, and just like each one of them, this feels a little like be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Of course we can't. Life in Christ is 100% aspirational. That is, we must look to faith to live it out. It is by grace alone. And yet, and yet, it also involves 100% the intentional practice of presenting oneself as a living sacrifice by yielding to the movement of the Spirit. To love purely, without camouflage, is challenging. Love without hypocrisy moves us out from behind the protective facade of churchiness, let's say, to full frontal, full exposure, full-time transparency. Clear, reborn, pure, holy, new creation in Christ, if we're honest, we'll admit that we are this, but we cannot completely do it. But to whatever degree we can do it at any point in time, we do indeed enact a living sacrifice as we move in God's grace to root out of ourselves the double-mindedness we can all admit to. Right? We can all admit to it. We will show up more and more to the world as Jesus' disciples. As he says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. So I want to talk about making love operational and also show you what kind of a difference it makes when it's genuine and when it's not. In research design, especially in psychology, social sciences, life sciences, and physics, operationalization Operationalization is a process of defining the measurement of a phenomenon that is not directly measurable, like love, for example. Though its existence is inferred by other phenomena that occur when it's there, like the butterflies of the Hallmark card, or like the fruit of the spirit. Operationalization defines a fuzzy concept so as to make it clearly distinguishable, measurable, and understandable by empirical observation. This is what Paul is doing as he lists the love commands 
Here, he is showing us how to observe ourselves to see if love is there. And he's saying it in no uncertain terms. The language that he uses is vivid, and the images are sharp. Let's break it down. Here's the sense of it. This is what genuine love looks like. These are all reflections of the Spirit of God. We'll walk through this together. Try to see if you can picture yourself doing each of these things. Put yourself in here. Paul says, loathe evil, despise it, run from it, detest it, but stick yourself like superglue to the good so that it will be very, very hard to get unstuck from goodness, even if you're tempted or feel like changing your mind. Love your fellow Christians like family. There's another love word that talks about family love. Love your fellow Christians like family, with friendship and deep devotion to one another. In Christ, we're all literal blood relations, brothers and sisters in his blood. We're related by the blood. This means welcome home every time you see one another. If we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. This is a quote from Agnes Bojahu, Mother Teresa. Lead the way in honoring and putting the other before yourself. Be front of the line to give honor, back of the line to get it. This is a call to humility to each of us. Paul says, stir up your enthusiasm. Don't be a slacker. Catch on fire. Let your soul burn with hunger and passion for serving the Lord. The motto of the Episcopal Monastery, where I go for prayer retreats twice a year, it reads like this, love must act as light must shine and fire must burn. Love must act as light must shine and fire must burn. Be on fire to act out love. Paul says rejoice in hopeful expectation when in deep and serious trouble, actively, steadfastly endure, not just hang out, oh, keeping my head down till it's over, Actively enduring, steadfastly enduring. Someone said, we serve God rejoicing in hope, not rejoicing in results. Rejoicing in hope. So then persist in your prayers with steadfast devotion. Make a prayer a practice that nothing can break down. A practice that nothing can break down. And then when the saints have a need... Share with them. Pursue strangers to offer them hospitality. Don't just wait till they come in your door. You're out there like that waiting father offering hospitality. Out of the walls of the church into the neighborhood offering hospitality. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse them. Ask God to bestow grace and favor upon them. Who said this before? Jesus. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. And then if someone is rejoicing, step it up and be joyful with them. If someone is grieving, enter into that too. And offer yourself as a companion through whatever the valley of the shadow, sharing their burden. All in all, it adds up to a very high level of intimacy. And intimacy needs honesty. Dishonesty destroys intimacy. This is intrinsic to sin. It was the first result of the fall of humankind. As you remember, 
Where are you, says God to Adam. I'm hiding because I'm afraid. The opposite of that is this prayer. Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wickedness in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to take us back now to the opening idea. Love must be without pretense and without hypocrisy. What's in view here is hiding. Hiding comes from fear, as I've said. It might seem like a wise choice from a certain point of view. But Paul tells us it actually has no place in the family of God. I want to demonstrate this for you by reading again the exhortations Paul gives to love. And I want to ask you this time to imagine that you are carrying out all of these things with duplicity, with insincerity and pretense and hypocrisy, and see what that feels like inside. Are you ready? With hypocrisy, you just pretend that your love is genuine. Just pretend that when temptation comes, you're fleeing from evil and clinging on to what is good. But what are you really holding on to? Now let's pretend that we really love one another as brothers and sisters, but we're really faking it. And pretend that you're giving honor to one another while secretly you're filled with envy and pride. Pretend to be on fire for God. Pretend to be joyful. Pretend to be patient. Say that you're praying, but you're really not. This is really awful, isn't it? It really feels bad. I'm not going to go on. You get the picture. We can all relate at some level. It's so easy to fall into faking it. When you come into the presence of God, his light opens up the dark places. That now we want to find a way to get clean, and I'm going to take us there through prayer for the next few minutes. There's an ancient practice of prayer called the prayer of examination, or the prayer of examine. It's a review in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of all of our experiences of the previous day or week or whatever period of time. It's a way to become more attuned to the presence of Christ in our daily life and more aware of when we're either walking in the light or out of the light of God's love. It's a way to unburden our souls in confession to God and to recognize and relish more and more with gratitude all the gifts that have come to us from God's love. It's a good accompaniment to meditating on God's word, as we've been doing. And it's a time of intimate fellowship with Christ. I invite you to join me in this prayer for the next few minutes. We'll start by praying together from Psalm 51. It's on page 560 of your pew Bible. I don't have it up on the screen, so you'll have to hunt for it. Let's read verses 10 to 17 as a prayer. Some of you may know this by heart. I invite you to join me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, 
O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now just follow my words silently as I lead us through this examined prayer. Don't worry if you begin to feel relaxed. It is supposed to be a time of just relaxing in the presence of God. Hear our prayer, O Lord. As we pray, we bring our needs, our longings, the deepest prayers of our hearts to you. Let us relax, be still, and let the tensions of the moment slip away. God rejoices that you have come to spend this time. However forgetful of him you may have been during the rest of the past day. Look back over the past day in your mind, in your memory. Ask yourself, what do I want to thank God for? What gifts have I received from God's love and mercy? Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send my name, will teach you everything. So now let's ask God's Spirit to guide our memory as we look back peacefully over the day, trusting the Spirit to show us what the Father wants us to see. I'm going to pause and let you do that for a minute. God is always present in our lives to bring about good for us and others. Ask, when did I most fully cooperate with God? When did I feel most alive? Take a moment. Ask, when in the past 24 hours have I been walking in the light with energy, life, and the fruit of the Spirit? Thank God for these moments and enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in remembering them. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now become aware of the times when you felt out of tune with God. Ask, when did I feel least alive? When have I walked out of the light? Try not to be judgmental, but simply to notice. What do you want to ask forgiveness for? When have we chosen distance over closeness to God through our thoughts, our words, our actions, our inactions? We can turn off that path or turn around on that path. This is repentance, a turning. Let us ask for forgiveness and healing for those times and receive these from God with full confidence. I'll give you a minute for that. And now what do you want to ask God for? What do we need God to strengthen 
in us in order to follow his way. Ask God for whatever it is that you need. Open your heart, your eyes, and your ears to whatever may come from him. To notice God in unexpected places, to tune in to God's voice. Ask for whatever you need. And now give glory to God and resting in gratitude, prepare to move back into the day with thanksgiving. Lord, you continually teach us what love is as we spend time with you, as we let your word sink into our hearts, into the ground that the spirit has softened there. May the holy seed find room to grow in us so that as we mature, we may become fruitful servants and friends with you, Jesus. You have called us friends. Remind us of your commands and make them second nature to us, Lord. Write them on our hearts as a gift of your love. We want to please you and make faithful use of all that you give us, including this worship this morning. May we rejoice in hope, be patient in trouble, and constant in prayer. O Lord, may the Lamb of God receive in us the reward of his sacrifice. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.